Before we start, let me give a shout out to one of our conference sponsors. Virtual Church Assist offers remote administrative assistance and graphic design services that cater to you and your church's specific needs. With a growing team full of unique skills, experience and expertise, VCA supports churches and ministry organisations all over Australia and provides the support that you need specific to your context. You can find out more and get in touch to hear how VCA can help you at virtualchurchassist.com. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, this week, we are going to be hearing from one of our listeners. Yes, we have a few listeners out there. And actually, we love getting questions from listeners. So uh, if you've got a question that you want us to explore and want us to push into on the One Thing podcast, uh, send those questions in. Jump on the Facebook page, uh, email us, uh, find out how to get that question asked or answered because we'd love to uh, address it in the podcast over the coming months. Now, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia, We have a vision to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches all across Australia. Uh, If you are a church that is uh, wanting to get healthy, uh, reach out to Reach Australia at reachaustralia.com.au. But for now, you press play on another episode of The One Thing, Creating a Culture of Prayer. Now, this episode was requested by Jess Shearley, who works at Scott's Presbyterian church uh, here in Sydney. Let's listen to her question. Hello, my name's Jess. I'm an assistant pastor at Scott's Church Sydney. Uh, My question for the one thing is how to think through growing a culture of prayerfulness at church. So joining me today on the podcast and helping us answer some of these questions about prayer is Peter Blanche. Peter Peter Blanche is the uh, Director of Church Development at Reach Australia. He's responsible for sort of driving the Reach Australia Development Program and a lot of our consulting work as well at Reach Australia. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Scott. Now, uh, what's the most prayer-filled church that you've ever been a part of? And you can't say Wagga, you can't say your own. No, no, you can. That's all right. It's funny you say that, Scott, because it it, it feels one of my uh, one of my deep pains. I think in any church I've been to is that the worst attended meeting by some margin is always always the prayer meeting. And so, which church have I gone where I've gone? Gee, it's got a really really strong culture of prayer. Sadly, it almost. Probably none in some ways. But it's having said that, so much prayer is done behind closed doors as Jesus commands in that way. So it's not always evident to know exactly what's going on. Yeah, there's something about it, though. We're, we're kind of activists, aren't we? And it seems like prayer is not an active thing, although it is. We're, we're actively calling on our Heavenly Father to um, to act yeah. In, yeah. in his church uh, with his people. That's right. And it's crazy we don't, right? It's, it, to me, it, it, it is one of the... Is it too harsh to say one of the most stupidest things in the world that 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 Christians actually have to be commanded to pray? It's an odd, it's an oddity, really, a real oddity. Because when you think about what Jesus has achieved for us through His atonement, the 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 access we have to the Father, who is genuinely all powerful, all knowing, actually always has our best interests at heart. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Him regularly? And yet, it's amazing how many times in the Scriptures we are commanded to pray. You kind of think. 
I don't need a command. I really just should do it naturally. But the reality is we do need a command and it is commanded. And it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. Yeah, and it's something as well that you see modelled by Paul regularly, uh, you know, regularly talking about how he's praying for the people that he's ministered to, for the people that he's, uh, yeah. you know, brought the gospel to. Uh, and also, you know, praying in his letters as well, actually sharing his the content of his yeah, prayers yeah. for them. And I think the Apostle Paul does reveal to us that that one of the reasons why we're commanded. Really, he he often talks about his wrestling in prayer. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a deep truth that prayer is a genuine fight. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally or easily. It is, takes very deliberate care, and it it is a wrestling. It is a fight to keep uh, persistent in it. To, to be diligent to it, to to give it the value that it needs, uh, and he, just his own language around prayer just reflects, I think, all our listeners and my, certainly my experience. I certainly don't do these podcasts as someone who's, gee, I've got the most excellent culture of prayer in my own life. Uh, it's a fight, it's a battle, it's a wrestle. Now, Jess is wanting answers. She's yeah. wanting solutions to her questions. So let's talk about prayer in existing church structures. So where are the places that you know, prayer ought to be, and we can be intentional about having prayer in our church life. Oh, look, can I, I just want to, can I take that back, Scott? I, just, I think one of the key things to creating a culture of prayer in the first place is perspective. I think this is one of the key things that uh, when we do lead our churches and we're desperately wanting to, to see people pray more, giving them the right perspective really matters. Uh, I think, and the perspective, uh, there's an eternal perspective, obviously. There's a reality of heaven and hell and you want to see people come to life. There's all that kind of perspective. But another perspective that I think is important in this area is just the reality of war. Um, we are told that, uh, you know, be a good soldier. Uh, the, the, we know that Jesus has completely defeated Satan but as we and, and death itself. And as we wait for him to return... There's kind of this guerrilla warfare going on mm. where as as Satan has lost, he's going to take as many down as he can before Jesus returns. That kind of, there is a genuine war going on. And I think if I live my Christian life thinking this is just a time of ease and peace, then I won't be rest, I won't be in prayer. If our, if our country was at war, there'd be such an alertness to everything that we do together as, as, a, as individuals and as a community of people because of the, the danger that we feel. So you've got to keep giving that perspective you know, through the preaching of the Word of God, through modelling it. Uh, what are some of the other intentional structures? Oh, the, one of the best intentional structures in my, uh, in my thinking is you've got to start young. So a culture of prayer, the way you start life or the way you start in things is often the way you, you continue. And so in the children's ministry that you have, building a culture of prayer from a very young age, this will help a culture of prayer in churches in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years time. So do not neglect to pay very close attention to the prayer lives of your kids' ministry because I think... That's one of the crucial ways of generating culture. Another way of helping in that space, though, is actually uh, uh, in, in your modelling of prayer in the public services, having a, a structure of prayer that adults can grab a hold of, that they can uh, and even have a similar structure of prayer in the kids' ministry. So many of you will be familiar with either the Acts version of prayer, the Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving or Supplication. Yeah, so that the Acts model of prayer. But if you do that in adult church in a way it's modelled there publicly and then the kids do that in the kids' church and you then encourage the adults to follow a similar model of prayer at home, 
you can generate a whole model or shape of praying that pays attention to not just asking God for stuff. Because who, if you've got a kid who just always asks for stuff and never says, Dad, I love you, or Dad, I'm sorry. If you, kid, can I have this dad? Can I have that dad? You don't want people praying to our Heavenly Father saying, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? Uh, I love you, God. I'm sorry, God. Um, I thank you so much, God. And can we please have that kind of model of prayer in adults, in kids, can just generate a, a a culture of praying carefully, but also a culture of knowing how to pray and teach prayer. So, being intentional about teaching your public prayer, prayers how to how to pray, yeah. uh, and helping modelling that all through church life. So, Pete, some might push back on this and say, but extended monologuing, uh, you know, prayer in church is is boring. It's hard to listen to, particularly when you've got a whole list of sick people that you're working through and all these names. Uh, Look, Scott, we've all been there, haven't we? Where you've been to church and potentially you're falling asleep because of the way it's not just well, because of the way it's prayed, and not careful enough attention has been paid to how to do public prayer. Sometimes we do need to pay attention to there are people who are gifted at, at publicly praying, and we do need to have them as the ones leading public prayer. I think it really helps that part of a service. Also, being far more creative about doing is a six, seven, ten minute monologue actually helpful, healthy in a public setting. Maybe having two or three people lead the prayers rather than just one, or having multiple time slots, time spots in the service. The extended monologue, when done by an extremely gifted person, is very moving and excellent, um, but can often be done poorly. So pay attention to how to do prayer in a way that actually doesn't undermine a culture of prayer because it's boring but actually deeply encourages people to engage carefully. So, Pete, uh, let's talk about prayer in small groups. We've all been part of small groups where the Bible study leader, the community group leaders ask the question, okay, let's let's pray for each other, let's get prayer, prayer points. There's a bit of silence and then someone's awkwardly prayed through the passage and we've kind of gone home. Uh, how do you cultivate healthy prayer for each other yeah. and corporately in a small group? That's so. That's, that's absolutely right. Gee, prayer in small groups can be done so poorly uh, often it can be done where people feel guilted into praying or or I think even worse at times is that people uh, pray not actually genuinely praying to God. They're actually just trying to impress other people. Around Showing them. how much you've you know learned about the passage. Yeah, yeah, I think the leader of a small group at this point plays a crucial role to set up the good habit and also the, the cultural prayer in that group. Uh, I always It's important, I think, for leaders to communicate to their group members that actually what we want to achieve is genuine heartfelt prayers to God rather than just trying to impress one another or trying to appease the guilt that's within. And actually talking about that up front with the group, particularly as the, as the group starts the year, uh, and actually saying to people, it's okay not to pray. And it's that your amen is actually praying the same prayer that someone else has just heartfelt prayed. But also having that conversation goes, it, it is actually exceedingly encouraging, though, when not everyone is silent and people actually do engage in public mm. prayer. But actually having that freedom to pray or not to pray, couched in the language of we don't want to pray out of guilt and we don't want to pray out of being competitive and who's the best prayer. But actually setting that tone in a group, I think, can really help group, small groups engage in prayer more carefully. And as you say, it's the responsibility of the home group leader, the community group leader, to, to teach yeah. and to model uh, and yeah. to help people in that way. So yeah. often we've got numbers of people in our groups who just haven't had a culture of praying. Yeah. And so we ought to be aware of that, particularly yeah. as we're you know, leading and, and overseeing yeah. groups. 
one of the things I've done in small groups, you can take this tip or leave it, Scott, uh, when I've started groups, is for the first five weeks of the year, rather than actually saying, well, let's pray together and just jump in when you feel at ease, I actually get people to write out their prayers. And I give someone, I use the Acts model and say, you can pray an adoration prayer, you can pray a confession prayer, you can pray a Thanksgiving prayer, and you can pray a supplication prayer, and you just keep on going around the group. Um, and people then write out their prayers and then read them out. And it just seems to lower the stress level for people who aren't used to publicly praying, sets them a good model. And then after five weeks, people just, rather than writing it out, just jump in following the model. And I've just found that's a healthy way to create good culture of prayer in small groups. What about prayer and serving teams? We uh, spoke with Jerry from St. James Croydon, who's the missions pastor uh, there. She spoke about how they spend 45 minutes before every uh, evangelistic course night, you know, praying through the people, and they've got a rule. You know, we we don't we don't stop until, you know, we at least pray for half an hour, um, which I just thought, you know, great, a real great model to sort of clothe the whole night in prayer. Now, not all our serving teams, you know, can make space for 45 minutes of uh, of extemporary prayer. Uh, but but again, it's a re- it's a really good model. It expresses a, a humility, a desire to see you know God uh, work in the lives and the hearts of people. Mm. So how do you cultivate uh, prayer in serving teams? Oh, having uh, structures like that that kind of thrusted upon the team is quite important. It, it, it you don't want to do it in such a way that it becomes a mechanistic thing. And I wouldn't at all think that's what they what they're doing. What they what they're trying to say is. Our Heavenly Father is genuinely interested in these people. He is at work and we need him to be at work because what's happening here is beyond us mm. and we need him Him at work in these people's lives and, and asking him to genuinely be at work is just the foundation of any ministry really. I want to talk about the prayer and praise night though because often you, know, often you go to a prayer and praise night and it's more a praise night. There's more singing and there's, there's not a lot of praying. Um, again, Prayer and praise nights as, again, as, as ways to push and drive into cultivating that prayer. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, excellent things to be doing. We used to, uh, sorry to hop back to Wagga days, we used to, um, a number of years ago, ran what we called a winter warm-up. It was freezing cold in winter, but we would come and warm the soul with a prayer and praise night. Every time we've run one of those nights, anyone who's come and made the time to come has gone, oh, that was just so good. Um, and a number of you know anecdotal stories behind the scenes of people going, I've got to get back to praying regularly, and it's just so good to share that. Um, yeah. Now we uh, we want to see people mature in Christ. We want to see individuals mature in Christ. And one of the helpful, uh, I guess, ways of driving that intentionally as churches is sort of thinking about church as an ecosystem, but thinking it as uh, some key outcomes that we actually want to see in the disciple and in the individual believer. Where does prayer fit into each of those sort of key outcomes? You know, deep in word, serves others, mm. uh, loves God, on mission, in community. Is there a particular outcome where you go, yeah, that needs to be championed or, you know, that's key to seeing that outcome happen in the life of the individual believer? Yeah. Often, you know, if you're overly simplistic in leading a church, you'll potentially just drop prayer into the into the uh, maturity bucket or the edification bucket, something like that, depending on uh, how you how you think of it, the deep in the word area. Um, but church is a genuine ecosystem, and prayer is just so critical in each one of those ones, isn't it? 
when when you are coming to the word and want to be deep in it, you want God, you want to be asking God to help you. When you're on mission, you need God to help you, <laughs> and He's going. He brings draws people to to Himself. Uh, same with serving. The ability to serve out of inappropriate motives is real. Prayer before you serves keeps reminding you that uh, this is not about me. It's about God. And it's about other people. Uh, and when you do community life together. Uh, gee, the depth of that community life when people share in prayer together. Like all I'm trying to show is, it's it's at it's at every level of the ecosystem, mm. and a genuine out outcome you'd be looking for for someone who is a deep disciple of Jesus is that prayer is saturated everywhere in their life. So, Pete, what's the one thing you want to say about creating a culture of prayer? I just want to go back to perspectives, Scott. Too easily we wake up and we just don't think readily enough of that Jesus could return today. We are less aware of, of uh, that life in Australia and particularly has a, a level of wealth and ease to it, although plenty of lives have got lots of troubles, but there is a level of wealth and ease which make, means it just doesn't feel like wartime. And I think if we all had that urgency about we're in a war against sin, the world and the devil, a war that's going to be has been thoroughly won by Christ, but we're still waiting for him to return you have that perspective, you'll have a, a new urgency to your prayer life. Now, I just want to open up the toolbox, uh, a few resources. The Gospel Coalition has got a cracker of an article by Renee Zhu, uh, who goes to cross and crown one of our church plants that we support down in Melbourne. Uh, there's a couple of books. Uh, one of the books that I found really helpful is, is Praying with Paul, uh, A Call to Spiritual Reformation from Don Carson. Uh, there's a book by Megan Hill called Praying Together. Praying Together. And this is a book that's just all about how do, you, how do you encourage corporate prayer? Uh, now, there's a great ministry good course on gatherings and pushing into this whole question of, you know, how do you encourage and train people in prayer? So check out Ministry Grid. Uh, I mean, finally, just can I encourage you just to pray with others? I reckon corporate prayer is, uh, is, is something that we ought to do lots and that we're commanded to do in the scriptures as well. So, uh, so keep taking those opportunities after church. Uh, and if you're a church leader listening in, you know, modelling that uh, in, in you know in times when you're gathered corporately, that's a, a real opportunity to sort of show your people how to pray. Now, Pete, one of the things I love about conferences is workshops. Why? Because I love all the resources that they bring. So the Reach Australia National Conference, 16th to the 19th of May, you're going to be uh, presenting a workshop. Can you tell us about that workshop? Yeah, there'll be lots of workshops running and some, some of them very helpful. I'm hoping the one that I run is very helpful too. I'm running one on on metrics in church and what, why keep any data at all, what kind of data to keep, how to use that data well. It's one of those things where if we measure things, if we care about things, we often measure them. It's sometimes tricky to know what to measure, come along. Great. Well, early bird's closed. We've had 650 people register. So there's only about 400 tickets left. So register soon. You don't want to miss out on the Reach Australia National Conference. It's been great pushing into this topic. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.